Hi there, I'm Pastor Jamie Kendrew, and uh, as Ed said earlier, Pastor Robbie did in fact get married last week. Um, I had the privilege of, of doing the ceremony for him in Aruba, and some of us just have to suffer for the Lord. It was a working trip, um, and so it's, it's good to be back with you today. But we had a great time. It was, it was awesome to see this young couple come together and in a testimony of love uh, in God in front of a group of people that they'll never see again on a public beach. Uh, proclaimed the Lord. There was a man in a Speedo there. Um, but he heard the gospel. So it was, it was an amazing thing, and, and I hope that you all celebrate with Michelle and Robbie because they, uh, they love the Lord, and, and, and God is doing some cool things. The week before Robbie's wedding, I begged him to not go to middle school camp because I know that a wedding is a kind of a big deal, and I know what happens at middle school camp, and you usually come home exhausted, broken, beaten, and tired. Some of you have gone on these trips with me, and my greatest fear that Robbie was going to have a black eye, that he was going to have broken something, and Michelle was going to kill me. Um, but Robbie went anyway. And the cool part is, is when I met up with Robbie in Aruba, I said, how was camp? And he said, you know, there were six kids that gave their lives to Christ. And I thought, that is amazing. You can clap for that. Six kids gave their lives to Christ. And, and, and it was cool because he was telling me this story about how these other kids were, they were really ramped up about their faith. And God is doing some really cool stuff here at Christ Church. And I just want to encourage you that if, if you're not seeing it, open your eyes. Because all around us, we're seeing the fingerprints and the footprints of God on the people in our lives and, and on our church. And so uh, I'm just really excited about what God's doing in this church. We've got a great uh, scripture passage to go through this morning uh, that we're going to have to get started on because as I was reading, you know, when the Bible was written, it was not designed to have numbers and chapters put to it. Do you know that? Uh, like when it was originally written, like this letter that Paul wrote uh, to the Galatian church, it wasn't designed to be broken up. And so as I started preparing for this sermon, I went, oh, well, I need to read back a little bit more. And before I knew it, I was in Galatians 1. And uh, it's such a good book. We should do a sermon series on it sometime. But anyway, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to go ahead and get started. And we're going to talk about our servitude this morning. Father, we love you, and we thank you. We praise you that you have sent Jesus to die for our sins, that you have provided the Holy Spirit to, 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 to be with us, that you created us, God, and you loved us genuinely. Not because you had to, because you just love us. And God, we'll never understand that, but we thank you for that. And so as we talk this morning about our hearts and what it looks like for us as a congregation to love you and to love others by serving, I pray that you would break our hearts and speak to us. I pray that you would be here and only say the words that you need uh, to be said, God. We just thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So a couple years ago, I had the privilege of going to what's called the Willow Creek Leadership Summit. And they have great speakers come in every year, um, everybody from uh, presidents to uh, missionaries that are like missionary superstars. And one year they had a lady, it was 2012, and this woman was nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, her name was Mama Maggie Gobrin. I think I'm saying her last name right. She's referred to as the Mother Teresa of Cairo. And who this woman is, is she's a woman that literally walked away from her life and she became uh, devoted to simply pursuing God and taking care of orphans in Egypt. And, and her story is so amazing because she was a lady of great wealth. 
She was a lady that was uh, an educated person. She, she had everything. She had mansions. She had money. She came from a very wealthy family. And in fact, her whole entire life, she lived without seeing a broken side of life at all. But God began to work in her and said, you need to serve people. And so she was a professor at a really uh, prestigious university and, and gave it all up and walked away from it and began to serve people in Egypt, Muslims, people of different religions, orphans, families. It didn't matter who you were. Mama Maggie was going to love you. And the way she described it at this leadership conference was not because she had to, not even because she felt convicted to, because she felt so loved by God that there was no more room for love of God, so she felt like she should be around people that that love can pour out onto. Does that make sense? That is a beautiful concept. Because when we think about loving each other, when we think about what it means for us as a, as a Christian people to serve people, a lot of times our own agendas are in there, aren't they? You know, when you look at the Galatian church in our scripture passage today, there is a whole soap opera going on at this place. Because when you start earlier, I'm just going to go back to verse five, chapter 5 at the very beginning. What's actually going on is, as we looked at in, in Romans a couple weeks ago, we saw that the Roman church was dealing with an issue. The, the Jews thought they were better than the Gentiles. And so there was this like competing thing going on. Here in the churches, in the Galatian area, is what you have going on is you have a group of people who believe in the law. Now they believe that the only way to be saved was by circumcision to be physically marked by God, to obey the law, to obey the, the commands, to obey everything that the Old Testament talked about as far as the ceremonial laws and the food that we eat and the coverings on the heads. And we all know that when Jesus came, some of those things were fulfilled uh, in the prophecies. and It was fulfilled. And so what happens is, is you have a group of believers that are saying, well, this faith alone theory that Paul's talking about, well, it's just garbage. And, and so you had this group of people in this local church that's saying you have to work basically your way into heaven. Then you had on the other side in the church of the Galatian area, and this is the group that we actually are encountering today in our, in our scripture passage, we're encountering the second group. The second group was this group of people uh, that um, they said that, you know, we have been set free by Christ. And while they're right... They've been set free by Christ, but instead of simply pursuing Christ and trying to follow the example that he laid, they used that as an example to live an immoral life because we were not bound by the law, is what they would say. And so instead of following the Spirit, instead of following Christ, they grossly misinterpreted it and they would live very, very immoral lives, claiming to be Christians. And so we have a little bit of a conflict here. Because we have two extreme groups. Now that would never happen in today's church, right? Well, guess what? It has. And as I was uh, studying this, I went to uh, John Piper's website and I found an article called Freed the Love. And John Piper makes this amazing comparison of the two groups of people that, that Paul's dealing with with the Galatian church. He says, in today's American society, we can very easily compare this to what we call our right-wing Christian activists and our left-wing Christian activists. 
Now, for some of you, this may sting a little bit, but you're going to want to listen to the whole thing of this sermon before you, you take offense, okay? He goes on to say that you have your right-wing Christian extremists who will march under the banner of pro-life, They'll march under the banner of family values, of arming America so that we can be a superpower to protect the world. He says that, uh, that, that, yeah, so that's that one. Then he says that you have your left-wing Christian activists that want the equal, distribu- equal distribution of wealth and world goods. They want to combat poverty. They want to disarm everybody so that we can have a utopian society. And we've seen that, haven't we? We've seen where we've been, on one side of our Christian activism, we've been loose with some of our morals because we don't want to offend anybody. But then on the other side, we're so staunch in what we believe, we put the stomping boots on and become ninja kickers. We just kick everything. And so what happens is, is Paul, or Paul, uh, John Piper says that he's actually really proud that we have both groups that are calling us to action, but he says, I, I would like to offer a critique of both groups. And so I was really interested in this moment because I don't know if you know my story, I'm very into the pro-life movement. And I was finding myself becoming a little offended as I read that. But then I kept reading, and then I kept studying. That's why I'm saying, listen to the whole thing. Don't just take one segment of what I'm saying and get offended. Okay, listen to me. He goes on to say, 1 Corinthians 13, and I read this to you two weeks ago. If I do this, this, and this, and this, but I have not loved, I don't have anything. In fact, let me read that to you real quick. Because it's just so rich. 1 Corinthians 13 says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of the angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move a mountain, but have not loved, I am nothing. This is the part I didn't read to you. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames or give my life up, but I have not love, I gain nothing. With that in mind, he says in 1 Corinthians 13, it tells us that regardless of what we stand for, we cannot achieve our way into heaven through legislation. Piper says that people die every day giving their lives for poverty and putting prayer freedoms in place, but they still go to hell. That's powerful. And he says they do this because love can never be defined as simply mere deeds. It always involves the condition of the heart of the doer. Did you catch that? He's not claiming to stand for something is wrong, but the condition of our heart is so important in all of this. Because what Paul is combating is he's combating people using Scripture, using Christ as almost this ticket to get away with their own agenda. You hear what I'm saying? And that's not serving God. That's not a way to serve each other. That's a way to destroy each other. Because as we've seen in our Christian activist groups, instead of being a unified body of believers, they attack each other, and the world says, I want nothing to do with those people. Look at the way they treat each other. And that's what happens with the Galatian church, is the way that they're treating each other, as Paul refers to it, is they're devouring one another. We can jump back to to Galatians 5 here. He says this, You brothers were called to be free, but not to use your freedom to indulge 
in your sinful nature. He's specifically speaking to that second group of people now. The people that have gone and, and lived a very immoral life. He's already dealt with the, 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 the law people. He said, don't get caught up in the law. Don't become so legalistic that you're missing the blessing of God. Because if you're circumcised or, uns- or uncircumcised, that doesn't mean anything to Jesus. What means something to Jesus is that you confess him as Lord and that you obey him and love him. It's not the the legalism that's going to get you into heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. So now we find him in 13, and he says, You, my brothers, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the sinful nature. Rather, serve one another in love. The entire law is summed up in a single command. Love your neighbor as yourself. And if you keep on biting and devouring each other, watch out, because you will be destroyed by each other. Brothers and sisters in Christ, listen to me. The way that we treat one another because we differ on opinion sometimes is shameful. Because there is a world of people out there that need to know Jesus. And when we backbite, when we stab at each other, that is not loving. And I'm going to tell you what, we see it, but you know who sees it more than inside the house? Are the people looking, the people watching. We need to be a people of love. We've been talking about it for the past several weeks. We need to love one another. We need to humbly serve one another is where all this stuff is going. We need to humbly serve one another. And if we can't sit down and disagree on something and still love each other and still be willing to serve each other, then we're in danger of being destroyed. That's scary, isn't it? If you keep on biting and devouring each other, you will be destroyed by each other. See, this is where I hate the chapters and the numbers in the Bible because it keeps going and it's so good. It goes on and it says, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. That's why he's making mention of the law right there. If you're pursuing God, if you're loving God like Mama Maggie did, you're not going to do things. You're not going to serve people because you have to, right? Ladies, how excited are you to have a husband that loves you because he has to? You want a husband who loves you because he gets to. I wish I could say that when my wife were to come to me and say, Jamie, I need you to cut the grass, I wish it went like this. Yes, dear, that'll be great. That goes like that every time, doesn't it, husbands? It doesn't. And my attitude is terrible. And I really love this woman, so my attitude should be a lot better. And I should be excited to serve my family in that way. But because we're human, because I have my own agenda, because I want to go do this, or I want to go do this, I let that get in the way, and I become grumpy, and I become angry, and I end up cutting the grass anyway, but everybody's miserable. And as Christians, we can't have that attitude. We can't be like that. We, we come to church, and I'm going to serve that person today. But again, it's the intentions of the heart of the doer. Is our heart pure? Are we standing uh, for, for pro-life with a good heart? Are we standing for social justice with a good heart? Or is there some kind of political or selfish agenda behind the way we're doing it? Because I'm going to tell you what, if we do these things correctly, we are all on the same page. What happens is, is we put our own little agendas in there, our own little digs and our own little feelings and emotions in there and we make something bigger than the cause of Christ. 
Is this making sense to you? I know it's kind of a sensitive subject that I'm walking on there. It goes on to say this in the book of Galatians. The act of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. When you read that, does that scare you? Because there's something on there that describes you, right? Paul told us earlier that we all have a sinful nature, and because of that sinful nature, I don't care what you tell me, one of those things is you. Now maybe you have surrendered that to God, and he's, he's filled you with the Spirit in such a way that it no longer possesses a hold over you. You're no longer a slave to that thing, but it's there. And I'm going to tell you right now, we're all one mistake and one bad decision away from becoming the world's worst human being if we are not walking in step with the Spirit. Because these are the things that our sinful nature desires. Is this making sense? Fight it. Because we're called by God to be better than that. We're called by God to be people of love. People that, that, that live in this verse 22. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Jesus Christ has crucified the sinful nature with its passions and its desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit and let us not become conceited, provoking the envy of each other. Look how great I am. I am so humble. We do that, don't we? Sometimes we flaunt our spiritual gifts. And that's not serving each other. That's not loving each other. That's serving yourself. And that's putting something before God. Because what we're being called to by God is we're called to humbly love one another. We're called to humbly serve one another. If we do all these grandiose things as Christ church and we have the most expensive this or the best this, but we have not demonstrated genuine love from a genuine heart, it is all meaningless. God will take whatever we bring and he will make it into something to glorify him. The, the woman that brought the penny, God will make go further than the man that brought $100 because the heart behind it was pure. When you love people, is the heart behind what you are doing pure? Because if it's not, you need to pray about it. And I'm going to tell you right now, my heart's not always pure because I'm human. Your heart's not always going to be pure because you're human. And it's in those moments you need to reach out to someone and say, pray for me. Because the reality of it is, is we are called to serve one another. I love what it says going down into verse 6. It says, brother, if someone is caught in sin, or chapter 6, excuse me, if someone is caught in sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. When we screw up, this is the moment we get to serve people. If, if we have a fallen brother or sister or somebody who has just missed the mark or they've given in to their sinful nature, 
We're called by God to love them. We're called to call them out. I always tell the youth group and you guys that loving somebody is telling them when their breath stinks. It hurts when you hear it. Nobody wants to hear it. But you put a breath mint in, you're glad you heard it, and you fix the problem. Right? And truly loving somebody is gently telling them when they're in the wrong or coming alongside of them and serving them and not simply pointing a finger at them and and judging them, but serving them the way that God wants us to serve and saying, how can I come alongside of you as you struggle with this? God has put each of you into a situation for a reason and he will take those situations and he will allow you to use those to serve one another. I was an orphaned kid of an abused father, a terrible growing up. But God used that because I was able to minister to people. God put you in the situations, whether it's cancer or drug addiction, in your life so that you can in turn serve somebody else with that. Do you know that? We are called to humbly love one another, serve one another. You are not going to change someone's politics. You are not going to change the clothes they wear until their heart is changed. And to be very honest, as Christians, that shouldn't be our agenda anyway. Our our agenda should be the heart change. Because when you change the heart of somebody, as we sang earlier, they they begin to follow Jesus and they pursue God. When someone is pursuing God, like like these people that were living immoral lives, they wanted to think that they were pursuing God, but they weren't. They were pursuing selfish ambitions with the Galatian church. But when you pursue God, when you pursue the Spirit, when you pursue to be like Christ, the desires of your heart change. And we're not going to have to talk about politics. We're not going to have to talk about the clothes that people wear, the words that they say, because their heart will break for what breaks God's. And I don't care what you're wearing or what you smell like, if your heart is broken for what breaks God's, then I want to be by you. If you smell like Jesus, that's who we want to be by. And the way that we begin to smell like Jesus is by humbly serving one another, by humbly humbly loving one another, by being able to listen to somebody who has a different opinion and understanding that, hey, you're wrong, but you know what? That's your opinion, and I want to tell you what God says. We need to not shoot our wounded, but we need to gently come alongside of them and minister to them and encourage them. They're going to get it one day. Because the reality of it is, is you're sitting in this room right now because of the sacrifice and the time that somebody poured into your life because of their obedience to God. Does that make sense? Somebody poured into you, whether it was a parent, a friend, a college roommate, a neighbor, whoever, somebody poured into you and loved you and served you. And God is calling you to do the same thing. How are you serving the people in your life? Are you simply judging them and forcing your opinion and your, your will upon them? Or are you demonstrating a Jesus to them that looks like Jesus? The Galatian church really, really had their hands filled. They were really messing this thing up. And Paul wanted to combat that. He wanted to fight that. He says, you need to be people of love who serve one another. No one is better than the other. We need to serve one another. We need to love one another. We need to not look down on each other. And, and you guys over here who are from the circumcision group, you need to lighten up. And you guys over here who are living your immoral lifestyle because you think that it's, it's faith alone and you're going to use that as a token to sin, you need to read the Bible. You need to get a grip because that's not what the, the, Jesus is saying. 
He did not set us free to indulge in sinful nature. He didn't set us free to make us slaves to a law. He set us free so that we could be in communion with him and in communion with one another. Is this making sense? And so Christ Church, we've got a great opportunity today to have a picnic. We have a church picnic down at War Memorial Park. And it would be awesome to just see you guys hanging out and talking. It would just be great to see us fellowshipping together. Some of you come from a Reformed background. Some of you come back from, from, from a Methodist background. I don't know where you're coming from, but the reality of it is, is we're on the same page as Jesus, then we should be able to sit down and have conversations together. I'm constantly challenging the style of worship. If you worship with a certain style and this person worships with a different style, who cares? It's all about Jesus. You should be able to love that person, not judge that person. Amen? We are called to a life of love. Mama Maggie walked away from everything to serve because she was serving from an abundance of God's love in her life. When we try to do things in our own power, when we try to serve people through our sinful and human nature, the reason we're doing it is because we're actually trying to fill a void that is in us. And that void is never going to be filled until you fill it with Christ. And what happens is, is when you fill that void with Christ and the love that God has for you, your service now becomes something totally different. It becomes a service like Mama Maggie's that comes from an abundance of the love of God, an overflowing of the love of God. You know those people that are already in that, don't you? You're thinking of that one person in your mind. That person just leaks Jesus. It's just oozing Jesus. That person smells like Jesus. You know those people I'm talking about. We all need to be like that. We all need to surrender our agendas to God. I'm not saying that they're wrong agendas, but the way in which we do them sometimes is not serving of one another. It's not serving of God. We're commanded to do two things by God. What are they? Love what? Love God and love, love one another. The students are so much better at this than you guys. We're called to love and we're called to love others. Love God and love others. You're going to love God by loving others. And when you love others, you demonstrate love for God. It's that easy, but it's pretty hard, isn't it? I pray that God will send you out this week and that you will have opportunities to serve your neighbor, that you will have opportunities to bless somebody around you. Not because you have to do it in order to get into heaven, because that's what the law states. No, because you get to. I want you to serve someone this week and just love, and I pray that God will convict you in such a way. I pray that if you're giving over to your sinful desires and you go, oh, well, God will forgive me, I pray that God will put a conviction on your heart that won't allow you to sleep. (laughs) Because that's not the right attitude either. Either. We are saved by faith alone. God came and chose us. He picked us. He picked you. Not so that you could gratify your sinful desires or selfish agendas, but so that you could tell somebody else about the love that he poured into you. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you. We have true freedom in you. And the fruits of the Spirit are peace, joy, happiness, self-control, all those good things, Lord. And I pray that we would see those in our lives. Because when we're living by the flesh, we will see those fleshly things, those sinful things that we read in our lives. And if we see those things, God, 
Help us to, to, to seek help and to pray and confess. But God, if we're living for you, we will see those other things. And I pray that we will just love each other and serve one another so that the world will go. There's something different about that group of people. When the world looks at that at Mama Maggie, your servant, Lord, they can see you in her because of the way that she just loves people, whether they're the president of a country or an orphan child in the streets of Egypt. We thank you for that heart. We thank you for Jesus, and we pray that you would help us to pursue and to follow him. In your name we pray. Amen.